Hey everyone, welcome into the podcast. This is the Gridiron Goliath, Marco Cirillo, coming at you with the first official pod. Thank you for joining. Before we get started, I'd like to point out this podcast is brought to you by Fanatics.com. Get all of your team gear, get in the game with Fanatics.com, accessories, all licensed officially by the NFL, MLB, NBA, and whatever else you may need, Fanatics.com. Click the link below. So just to give you guys a glimpse of what we plan on bringing here at Gridiron Goliath, this solo pod will likely appear at least once a week on the site and the YouTube, possibly twice on a busy news cycle, especially as we dive into the offseason here, as well as group podcasts, other editorial content from other writers that we're working with. We're very excited to bring it all to you, but this podcast is mostly just going to be me giving my opinions on everything that's going on in the league right now. Um, Today's is going to focus mainly on the crazy coaching carousel that we have on between the Sean Payton trade and signed to the Broncos, D'Amico Ryans returning to the Texans, Frank Reich going to the Panthers, and my God, the Indianapolis Colts just not being able to get it together at all, now going into their third cycle. We'll dive into all of that today, as well as any breaking news, including the Brady retirement and the fate of Aaron Rodgers is something that we're definitely going to be talking about here today because that's a very interesting situation. So get comfortable, dial in, looking forward to just talking to the void and having your guys' comments below to discuss with me. I'm always open to debate. So here we go. First things first. Sean Payton's trade to the Broncos. The Saints fleeced. The Saints absolutely fleeced them. There's no real other way to put it. You get a first rounder in this draft, a second rounder in the next draft, for a coach that wasn't even going to be on your team. And by the way, wasn't even the first or second choice of the team that you traded him to. Absolutely appalling by the Broncos, organizational malpractice, even if it works, which it can't possibly work. They have no assets. They have a quarterback that everyone on the team can't stand that is completely out of sorts, that barely seemed to care at times this season, which is very out of character for Russell Wilson. And now you bring in a coach that, while accomplished, is mainly accomplished because of the elite quarterback play that he had the entire tenure with the Saints, and even then couldn't consistently win football games. They had several years where the defense was absolutely atrocious, Drew Brees was trying to carry the load completely on his own, and they just looked out of sorts for years and years and years that people forget because of how impactful that Super Bowl championship was for the city. But you don't trade valuable assets of which you are at a complete loss for because of the Russell Wilson trade. You don't trade those assets to get a Sean Payton who barely even showed a desire to coach the past couple of years. It's crazy. If it does work, I'll eat the crow on it. No problem. I I just, I don't see how that move 
elevates the Broncos. They're not a quarterback away. They're not a coach away. This is an overhyped, overreacted to roster. They're not that good. Can we just talk about that the Broncos are not that good? Because if they were, they wouldn't have had to sell Bradley Chubb. They wouldn't have been in the market to potentially sell Jerry Judy. This isn't a team that's ready. They're just simply not. And to hire Sean Payton and to trade those assets for Sean Payton because you think he's going to come in and save you. And by the way, now you're locked in because you don't want to be paying more than three coach contracts at the same time which is the position that they are in. I I don't understand that move at all. I think it's the worst of the early offseason by far. I hope it works out for the Broncos because I do like Sean Payton, but it's just an absolutely asinine move. Congratulations to the Saints for just a brilliant, brilliant job of executing that making it clear that they wouldn't take anything less than a first for Sean Payton and actually getting two picks for it, only giving up a third rounder next year. I, I just thought that was a brilliant move by the Saints. But shame on the Broncos. I hope the Patton family can get it together. Being an NFL owner is obviously hard, and they are new to it. So here's to that. Hope that Sean Payton does well, but man, I am not expecting him to. Moving right along to something a little more positive, I personally love, love, love the D'Amico Ryans to Houston move. Here's why. I know that a lot of people are down on defensive head coaches in today's NFL. Young defensive head coaches recently have not worked out. I would also like to point out that four of the most accomplished coaches NFL at this time were not offensive coaches. Pete Carroll got his start as a defensive backs coach. His team was still in the playoffs this year. John Harbaugh, special teams guy. Bill Belichick, obviously, famously one of the best defensive coordinators ever before dominating the NFL the past 20 years. And Mike Tomlin, who I think is the most underrated coach maybe ever. I mean, to do what he did with that team, have them in position to make the playoffs the last week of this season, was out of this world impressive. So, while yes, it's nice to have that offensive-minded coach and get that quarterback, make things happen, it's not a necessity. The key here for D'Amico Ryans, who again... I think has all the intangibles of a great head coach. I think people respect him. What he was able to do with that defense in San Francisco was amazing. The key here is hiring a proper offensive coordinator to where you're not worried about developing the quarterback. That is supposed to be a quarterback coach and an offense coordinator's job. A head coach is supposed to manage the team. So you don't necessarily need this offensive guru head coach, because as many of those we've seen be successful, we've also seen them fail. Look at Matt Nagy. Are you kidding me? Uh, the guy was an absolute catastrophe as a head coach. Great quarterback coach. Great coordinator, even. Horrific as a head coach. 
So just because a guy isn't an offensive-minded guy doesn't mean that he's not going to do a good job. The thing that worries me here is that it is the Texans. I don't know that the Texans will be patient enough because that roster is very far from being ready. But I hope that D'Amico Ryans can do very well with them. I think he will. Who he hires as offense coordinator will be the deciding factor here. He needs somebody that can truly lead a young quarterback to success, and he needs to do it quickly. I was hoping he would be hired quickly enough to get Kellen Moore, who obviously signed with the Chargers. Good for Justin Herbert. We'll get to that later. But D'Amico Ryans is a capable young coach that can be with this team a very long time if they stay out of their own way. Love the hire. I think he'll do very, very well there. And all the best to D'Amico Ryans. An absolute stud on and off the field. I think he'll do a great job. All right. Here's where it gets fun. Am I the only one that gets the sense that the Indianapolis Colts are going through three rounds of interviews, dragging this on into Super Bowl week? To settle on Jeff Saturday again? I mean, is it that hard to believe that Jim Ursay, of all people, would go through this whole rigmarole just to hire his buddy Jeff Saturday back? Who, by the way, won one game his first week and never sniffed the win again? You know what? I shouldn't say sniff the win. Blew literally the largest lead in NFL history. Would anybody be surprised if that happened? I mean, really. Would anyone be surprised? I I could write a dissertation on the Indianapolis Colts and just how inept ownership has been, how ridiculously awful Chris Ballard has been since the day Andrew Luck hung it up. Uh, it's just mind-boggling that this organization is even allowed to be run this way. So, just to recap, they get rid of Frank Reich, who we'll talk about soon, because he's at 500. Whenever a year with Frank Reich, the team has started off slow and then really taken off the second half of the season. That's been every year with him as the head coach. What you see is what you get. So, when they're finally starting to turn it around, we get rid of Frank Wright, hire a guy, and I know this has been beaten up, but it needs to be discussed. Hire a guy who has zero head coaching experience beyond high school ball, win a game, celebrate like crazy like you're a genius, lose every single game after that, and that guy is still in your final three? Like, you're three rounds into this. He is still there? It's just asinine. It's it's atrocious. It's almost a smack in the mouth to the league. I just can't even believe that this is happening. As a Giants fan, I pray that Wink Martindale doesn't have to go through what that organization puts coaches through. I just, I can't believe 
the Indianapolis Colts. They just find a way every single day to infuriate the masses of NFL fans. It's just absolutely inept. I feel horrible for that organization's fans. I feel horrible for the city of Indianapolis. Honestly, until Jim Irsay just gets out of his own way, this is just what this team is going to be. Uh, even if they get a quality name, I don't see how you turn this team around. I just, it, like, it's gasping for air at this point. And they've done it to themselves. They get rid of quality coaches like Frank Reich for no reason early in the season when you force a different starting quarterback on him every single year, which is why they start out so slow, because that's an adjustment, Jim. And I just can't believe what we're witnessing and why it's not talked about more. I mean, it was talked about at length throughout the whole Jeff Saturday hire. I understand that. But this has been years of just quarterback after quarterback after quarterback and the head coach not getting along with the GM or the owner and just get your egos out of it. Similar to what John Mara just did with the Giants. John Mara had a stranglehold on all football operations, realized it wasn't working, took a step back, which I understand you're a billionaire, you inherited a football team. I admire John Mara because that was a very difficult thing for him to do. You take a step back. You say, you know what? It's not working how I'm doing it. I'm going to get the right GM in place. I'm going to get the right head coach in place. And I'm going to back off. They'll run the show. And the Colts are so incapable of doing that because Jim Ursay is one of the worst owners in all of sports. I mean, we're talking across every league. Jim, Ur Jim Ursay and James Dolan. Like the, the, it's the top two. Horrific. Absolutely terrible. I feel bad for whatever coach gets hired there. I hope that the organization changes its structure on how they do things for said coach, but they've given no indication that that's the case. Jeff Saturday in the third round of interviews. It is unbelievable. Cannot respect the Colts. Uh, frankly, it, it pisses me off going through and having to even discuss this team because they just, they don't care about the fans. Jim Ursay's going to do it his way. Chris Ballard's going to be on Ursay's side no matter what because he keeps getting his paycheck. It's just an absolute sin what's going on in Indianapolis. All right. Now we get to the Carolina Panthers with the hiring of former Colts head coach Frank Reich. You know you made a mistake firing a head coach when he is the first coach hired in the next cycle. I think the move by the Panthers is excellent. I do think that they're going to have to work with Frank Reich. I think Scott Fitterer, the GM of the Carolina Panthers, knows that after just the absolute debacle of the whole Matt Rule experiment, 
he desperately needs this to work or he will lose his job. I can't imagine David Tepper is going to be this patient with this GM. We need to start seeing results. And I think the ultimate way that Scott Fitterer, Frank Reich, and the Carolina Panthers can start seeing some success, let Frank Reich choose his quarterback. He has never had that liberty. He's never had the continuity, the consistency. He needs to have a say in how this roster is going to be built. And that starts with the quarterback position. Let him draft one. If for some reason, after the past couple of years, he wants to trade for one that he's in love with, maybe he loves Derek Carr, you make the trade happen. Whoever the hell Frank Reich wants at the helm, at that quarterback position, you make it happen. That's the bottom line. Because you're going to either succeed with him or you're going to be on the streets with him. There's no in-between if you are Scott Fitterer. You need to let Frank Reich coach this team with a group of guys that he wants, whoever those guys may be. And I don't know if it'll work out. But you have to at least put him in a situation that he's comfortable and can best succeed. He can't start one in six every year. It can't happen. Give him two years with the same quarterback, and let's see how it goes. Because Frank Reich is a good football coach. We saw him make Carson Wentz look passable until Jim Mercer overreacted and blew that. He needs to have two seasons with the quarterback. That isn't old and decrepit like Phillip Rivers and Matt Ryan. Much respect to those guys, great careers, but he got the shell of them. He didn't get 2016 MVP Matt Ryan. He didn't get 2009 to 2013 Phillip Rivers. He got their shells. And Carson Wentz, who Ursay refused to be patient with. So... Moving forward, Frank Reich needs to have the opportunity to just go in with his guy, have a say in how the offense is built. You handle the defense fitter, but let Frank Reich build this offense to where it's what he wants it to be. Because that's the only way we can find out if he's any good as a head coach. And I believe he is. But he needs a chance. Overall, I think it's a smash hire for the Carolina Panthers. I think this is the best way forward for them. And Reich's going to get his time to coach this team. He's going to get at least two years because they're not going to be paying all these coaches. Matt Rule has another three years. And I don't believe that's been voided out. I would have to fact check that, but I'm almost positive that his contract doesn't get voided out by what he's trying to do on the college scene. So, moving forward, Frank Reich's the guy. I think he's a good enough guy to make it happen. I think the organization has to come together and let him have a say on how they move things forward for this to really be successful. But good for Frank Reich, good for the Carolina Panthers. Like the move a lot. Let's get into the vacancy of the Arizona Cardinals. I got to start this one by just saying Cliff Kingsbury is my hero. He's my absolute hero. This guy 
gets praised as a guru coming out of college because he had one winning season with Patrick Mahomes. How difficult that must have been for him. So now he's a guru. He's with the Cardinals. The roster is very solid when he gets there. Kyler Murray was his hand-picked quarterback. They win a lot of games early. And then they absolutely collapse at the end of the 2021 season, get trounced by the uh, now reigning Super Bowl champion Rams until next week. They come into this season, everybody gets hurt, but it's not a good enough excuse. They have clauses for the quarterback to study. There's tiffs on the sideline. Just an absolute mess. So Cliff Kingsbury gets fired. With five years left on his deal after signing his extension because of that one good season. And the guy says, screw it, I'm going to Thailand. One-way ticket, I'm out. That has to be the coolest move that a head coach of a football team can make. Why would you go back to college? Like, what's wrong with these people? You have $50 million in the bank. That check is hidden every two weeks. You're Bobby freaking Bonilla. It's brilliant. It is as brilliant as it could possibly get for Cliff Kingsbury, who is my hero, my idol. I thought that that is the coolest thing I've ever heard. And the only time you ever hear of somebody doing it, because these coaches are so obsessed with football that they can't sit still. They have to just go and coach. Not Cliff, not my guy. He said, screw it, Thailand. I love Cliff Kingsbury for that. I think it's the best thing ever. And he's going to get a high-profile college job whenever he decides he wants to. But for now, have fun paying me, Arizona. I'm going to take my time off. Have fun in Bangkok. Coolest move ever. But going into the Cardinals head coaching search, I got to imagine that Mike Kafka is the favorite here. but. Mike Kafka has worked with a very responsible, very dependable, albeit maybe a little underwhelming to some, of a quarterback in Daniel Jones. He's a leader. He's responsible. He's showing up before everybody else. He's leaving after everybody else. It's the kind of quarterback Daniel Jones is by all reports. As of 58 minutes ago, apparently, according to Pro Football Network's Tony Pauline, Kyler Murray who just signed a very lucrative deal and likely will not play the vast majority of next season, is deterring potential coaching candidates away. I know this is the first episode of the podcast. For those of you that know me, have seen my comments anywhere, I am not a Kyler Murray fan. I think he's an excellent playmaker. I don't think he's an excellent quarterback. We'll get into that at a different time. Excellent playmaker, and we'll see if he can still be that coming off the torn ACL. That remains to be seen with a huge contract. At this point, is anybody really attracted to this job? Uh, uh, what What's appealing about it? 
You have your quarterback out all year, who, by the way, is massively overpaid and might not even be dynamic when you do get him back the next year. Can't throw over the middle of the field because, frankly, he's too small to see the middle of the field. It is what it is. The guy throws all of his passes outside the numbers. So if I'm trying to be a head coach, and especially if this is my first head coaching gig, I would love this for like a David Culley type, a Wink Martindale, guys that are a little longer in the tooth that aren't going to get many opportunities left. If I'm Mike Kafka, if I'm one of these young offensive guys, my name's going to be hot year after year after year, why do I want this job? It's going to make me look horrible. It's going to be like Hugh Jackson with the Browns, where nobody will ever look at Hugh Jackson ever again. And not that Hugh Jackson doesn't deserve a little blame for that. But point being, nobody's ever going to look at you again because you're going to screw up so bad. It's not going to be your fault. I just don't think that this roster is fixable. You have two, you have Hollywood Brown as your only receiver, really, because they should trade Hopkins. He's an aging asset that can still play well enough, but you're not competing this year. So you may as well trade away DeAndre Hopkins. You have James Conner. The defense is a little underwhelming. Like it, There's nothing on this team that makes this an appealing destination for a quality head coaching candidate. So at the end of the day, I don't see one of the hot names taking this job. I just don't. I think they're better off staying put. And that's more or less it on this one. There's nothing appealing about being the Cardinals head coach on top of the fact that you have to deal with this little baby of a quarterback who you have to put a study clause in his contract. It's insane. It's absolutely asinine. Um, apparently, and this is just this is an official report from Pro Football Network. This has nothing to do with me. This just came across as I was talking to you guys on the pod. But it makes sense. I mean, there's no reason that a coach would want this job with a quarterback that they probably can't rein in and probably isn't going to be that good ever again. It just is what it is. These mobile guys, when they get these major injuries, and that's a huge part of their game, they're never the same player. Plus, you don't even have him this year. So if anything, the job's more appealing the next go-around when he is healthy and maybe you have a little faith that he can be close to what he was pre-injury, which personally I don't. I think his playmaking ability is going to go down significantly. And I just, I don't believe that he's a good enough passer overall to make up for that. So Arizona Cardinals job might be the least appealing in the league right now, save for the Colts job. Um, I don't think either of these teams are going to end up getting quality head coaches at the helm because I don't think a quality head coach would take these jobs. We'll see what ends up happening. I'll be happy to report on it later on. And the final topic that I want to discuss with the coaching carousel is Kellen Moore to the Chargers. I think that that was probably one of the more overlooked moves that happened, considering he was scapegoated out of Dallas. Kellen Moore was not the problem in Dallas. Let's just start there. Um, that offense has been phenomenal for two years now. Almost three. 
So I don't see how you blame Kellen Moore for the team's lack of success. You can't control whether or not your quarterback turns the ball over. And he wasn't turning it over because he was schemed poorly. He made poor decisions. He made poor throws. Dak Prescott had an uncharacteristically inept season avoiding turnovers. That's not his usual game. Hopefully he can get that corrected. But that's not Kellen Moore's fault. The offense is successful. The offense consistently puts up 30-plus points a game. So to say that Kellen Moore's the problem, when we all know, including Cowboys fans, as in denial as they are, we all know Mike McCarthy's the problem, to scapegoat Kellen Moore is just incorrect. And thankfully for the Chargers, it happened. Because that is the best offense coordinator candidate on the market. And you got him because another team just decided to scapegoat him. I think this is going to be amazing for Justin Herbert. I think they're going to open up the playbook a lot more. I think he's going to be throwing it way deeper down the field, way more often. He has too good an arm not to utilize. Love this move for the Chargers. Very happy for Kellen Moore to just get out of that environment because how often can you just be told that you're the one screwing up when your offense is performing every week? This is a great fit for Kellen Moore. It's an even better fit for Justin Herbert. I'm expecting big things out of that Chargers offense next year. And somehow, Brandon Staley will screw it up. But we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I can't wait to see how Brandon Staley manages to screw this one up. Because I cannot believe that that is not a head coaching vacancy that we're talking about today. The Chargers retained him. It's a weird decision to me, considering the guy has all of the talent on the world on that roster and none of the results. Neither here nor there. They lost a 27-point lead in the playoffs because of inept coaching. Again, neither here nor there. We've now reached the obligatory Tom Brady praise section of our show. Everybody's doing it. Tom Brady, he's the greatest of all time. We know this. He has all the records. He played the longest. It's Tom Brady. Good for him. I have to say, and this is rare because I very... I don't know if I've ever agreed with Mike Francesa, but I thought he nailed it on first take yesterday, I believe it was, when he said that Brady isn't the best Super Bowl quarterback of all time. That's Joe Montana. And he's not the best regular season quarterback of all time. That's probably Peyton Manning. I think you can make an argument for a few others. Maybe Dan Marino would fall in there as well. Regardless... What Tom Brady is, is the most consistent, the longest lasting, arguably the most durable. Uh, the guy just did it all. Longevity matters. He played the longest. He won the most. And I, really, I don't know if we ever see somebody win seven Super Bowls again. That is such a ridiculously difficult feat. And you have to be such a competitive wacko. To even make it to that point. I mean, what? He won his seventh at 43, 44 years old. So you have to appreciate Tom Brady for what he is. I'm not going to offer up much more time to it, considering he already did this last year. 
Um, I'm not giving Favre credit. If you follow the Gridiron Goliath newsletter, you read my article poking a little fun at Brady for his worst career moments instead of his best. The guy gets the fanfare. He wants the fanfare. I'm not going to be the one to give it to him. Congrats to him on a great career. We're moving on. I'm not spending more time than this on Tom Brady. He already got it last year. I will, however, spend a lot of time dissecting the Aaron Rodgers situation because I just think it's hysterical. The guy spited the Packers the last two off-seasons, not letting them know what he was going to do. Is he going to retire? Is he going to request a trade? What's Aaron going to do? What's happening this time? Oh, now Blue of Earth's involved? Okay. Now, it shifted. The Packers are sick of it. They don't see themselves winning a Super Bowl next year with Aaron Rodgers. They're ready to cut bait. And now he's on McAfee's show crying because he's not involved in the conversations of the future of the organization and he knows the conversations are happening. You asked for this with the way that you conducted yourself the last two off-seasons and credit to you for winning the two MVPs prior. That was awesome. That was spite of the highest level. It's commendable. But... The team is now done with you. So what are you going to do? Because it doesn't sound like you're ready to retire. And quite frankly, with Brady's retirement, Aaron Rodgers isn't quitting this year. Because he will not share the Hall of Fame stage with Brady and be upstaged. It's just not going to happen. Aaron Rodgers is top five quarterback after debate a wall. The guy's a beast. He is not with his ego sharing that stage with a quarterback that is very clearly ranked above him. It'll just never, ever, ever, ever happen. So Aaron Rodgers will be playing football next year. The question is, who's going to make the move? And I have three teams that I could kind of see doing it. The first one is the one that everybody's talking about, which is the New York Jets. They have the space. They have an amazing defense where if even Aaron's not playing at his top level, they'll still be competitive in every single game. If they had league average quarterback play this year, they're a good playoff team. I don't necessarily believe in Salah that much. I think that the Hackett hire was absolutely designed to make Rodgers open up a little more, be a little more comfortable jumping into that situation. I think that's pretty transparent. So that one makes the most sense. They have the room, they have a young team, they have the defense, and they have receivers that won't be rookies next year. An elite guy in Garrett Wilson, a very good underutilized guy in Elijah Moore, Tyler Conklin's a good tight end. I mean, even Braxton Berrios brings a lot to the table with his ability to return the ball and just do all of these gadget plays. Brees Hall hopefully comes back healthy. Even if he doesn't, Zonovan Knight, Michael Carter, James Robinson, these are all guys that can play valuable snaps and that are capable of carrying the load. I love that situation for Rodgers. I really think that that is the best one. Um, 
The Raiders do strike out as one as well, but they have to first get rid of Derek Carr, which would mean that the the Jets would probably be out on Rodgers at that point because then Carr would have to go to the Jets and take the whole cap hit over there, which is difficult to manage. And then you have to get Rodgers and his $50 million plus unless you can restructure in a trade, which I don't know if he's going to be willing to restructure in a trade. So I'm fascinated by that situation, but I mean, it's a no-brainer. You could put Josh McDaniels, has experience with veteran quarterbacks, put him right back with Devontae Adams. You basically say, Aaron, what do you want to run? They have all the weapons there. They're a good enough team to where they can compete, but that's a tough, tough division. Not the AFC East isn't, but the AFC East, as good as Josh Allen is, doesn't have Patrick Mahomes. You have a shot to win that division with the Jets team the way that it is. Uh, The Raiders wouldn't have a shot. So I don't think that's where Aaron Rodgers wants to end up. And then... The outlier here is if Frank Reich wants to trade for him to Carolina, they'll have the space after emptying out their quarterback room of the Mayfield, Darnold, just all of that, get those deals out of the way. Then they'll have the room to get Rodgers. I'm not crazy about that landing spot just because I really think Frank Reich needs to get his guy, a younger guy, to start from scratch. And I don't think Rodgers would be willing to go there. I'm sure that he has the no trade clause in place and he's going to be very picky. So while I have three options on the table, I really only believe that the New York Jets are a proper fit for Rodgers. And I would like to see it happen. Just to have him take a a similar kind of career path to Ford is kind of appealing to me and I think to most people. So hopefully that's what ends up happening. I think the Jets being competitive is good for football, especially if the Giants can continue being good as well. Um, It might be because I'm biased. I think when New York is doing well, when Boston's doing well, when these big markets are really kicking on all cylinders, the league is just better. And I think that's true for most sports. But We'll see what happens. I would like to see Rodgers end up with the Jets. So that'll do it for the first ever Gridiron Goliath podcast. Thank you for joining. Please comment, like, subscribe, share. Do whatever you'd like to do if you enjoyed the content. To get new NFL gear, feel free to click the link below and get a discount from Fanatics.com. And... Looking forward to speaking to you guys soon. I should have another pod out within the next couple of days. Have a good one.